is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Okay, so uh, we're going to look at uh, God's Word together. If you've got a Bible with you, if you'd like to turn to the book of Song of Songs and chapter 2, please. So last week, I uh, gave a little bit of an introduction to this, and uh, so we'll spend some more time looking at it properly today, and so that's what we're going to do. As I said last time, it's uh, it's a book I don't think I have preached from before, and um, it's a one, one verse that I want us to home in on, and I feel that God is speaking to us uh, from. So it's uh, chapter 2, Song of Songs chapter 2, and it's verse 15. Song of Songs chapter 2, verse 15. It says this, Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. Our vineyards that are in bloom. Hey, there we are. Catch for us the little foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. And what's happening here in, in Song of Songs is you've got um, a relationship between a man and a woman, and they're talking with each other, uh, and you, you get this uh, throughout the uh, throughout the book. And um, what they're talking about, particularly here, is the, is the vineyard, is their relationship. But as I was praying, I felt that God was speaking to us for the church. Now, in, in, in the language we find in a book here, we're talking about these foxes that will ruin, they say, the vineyards. Our vineyards that are in bloom, the relationship between this couple. You see, foxes don't do vineyards any good. They're not friendly animals when it comes to vineyards. If you're a uh, an owner of a vineyard, I'm not sure if any of you are owners of vineyards. If you are, I'd love to chat with you afterwards. Um, but if you are an owner of a vineyard, then you want to protect the grapes, don't you? Because that's where your investment is. That's where your profit is. You're hoping to be able to turn these grapes into high-quality wine and then sell it and make good money. And that's probably your, your money for the next year until next year's harvest, maybe. And so these foxes have the potential to totally wreck the vineyard, maybe by chewing away at the vines or perhaps eating the grapes before they're really ripe. And this spells disaster for the owner of the vineyards. Now, in in Song of Songs, we're talking about the relationship between this couple. But for us, I believe God's speaking to us about the church, about about us. Now, God is joining us together in this season, even, even more and more. So in that moment, we need to watch for that which might come in and try and divide us, 
or come and cause trouble. And that's the purpose of looking at this together. If we apply it to our lives, we can talk about our own spiritual life or the life of the the church as a whole maybe. Now these foxes, and we'll look at what they are in a moment, have the potential to eat the fruit of God before it's ripe, before it's really ready, and to destroy what God's doing. And my, my guess would be that none of us want to see what God is doing destroyed, either in our own lives or in the life of his church. And so that's why I think it's important to look out for these things and to talk about them, be aware of them. And you might think, oh, but they're not very significant. You might think, oh, they're only small. They don't really matter. A fox might not be that big compared to the size of a big vineyard, but boy, can it do some damage. Boy, can it do some real damage. I told you last week about the occasion that I put um, crushed chilies on one of my kids' pizzas when they were quite young. That didn't do them any good. Didn't do me any good either. <laughs> they're only small. You might think, oh, they're quite insignificant. They wouldn't do any harm. Tiny little things. Boy, did they <laughs> not go down well. As Lydia was coughing and choking and trying to get water down to get rid of these crushed chilies. Tiny little things, but cause some damage. So you might think, are these things, they're not significant. Listen to this, they are. Anything that would cause us to stumble or turn away from God, anything that would hinder our relationship with him is significant. And we need to watch for these things personally and also corporately. So the vineyard is God's church in this picture this morning. That's us. That's you and me. So the church isn't something else, some other organisation or body or group. It's us. It's us. This is what I believe God is speaking to us this morning. So let's pray and we'll look at some of these little foxes that I think we need to watch out for. Lord Jesus, thank you that you've been speaking to us so clearly already this morning. Thank you that we are sons and daughters of the living God. Oh, Lord, it's amazing. You haven't just called us to follow you or be obedient to you. You haven't just called us your friends, but you have adopted us into your family. We are now sons and daughters of the living God. Oh, what an amazing, amazing truth that is. Father, thank you that you've called us together as a family. And in these moments, Lord, as we look at these little foxes that might seek to come in and cause some damage to destroy what you are doing, I pray you give us wisdom, Lord. Give us ears to hear you, Holy Spirit. Will you come and speak to us if any of these foxes have got into our own hearts or if we're particularly vulnerable to them? Lord, speak to us if they've got into the church that we might deal with them. Lord, we want to live lives that honour you, that love you. Lord, we want to build a church that uh, loves you and loves one another. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us in these moments and teach us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so what are some of these little foxes then? Well, all of these will lead to division and disunity. And that's far more than a little fox. That's quite 
disastrous. But what are some of the things that we need to watch out for? Friends, this is not an exhaustive list. You'll probably think, oh, but you didn't include... Well, maybe not. But here are some things that I want to suggest to us that we need to watch out for. The first one is this, number one. Grumbling. Grumbling. You might think, is that a little fox, really? Well, remember the Old Testament people of God. Do you remember how they found themselves in Egypt and God protected them there? They were provided with with food when it was needed. And uh, over time, the people of God grew. And uh, I'm sure many of you know the account how then um, the Egyptians made them their slaves. And they cried out to God and God sent Moses to lead them out of Egypt. And he did. Moses led the people of God out of Egypt and towards what uh, was described as the promised land. You might think, well, if they've seen the miracles that God did, they're just going to be passionate followers of him. But what happened is, if you read through the Bible, if you know the story, is that they grumbled against Moses and indeed against God himself at various points in the journey. And God did not take that lightly. He was not impressed at their grumbling. Now, you might argue, but surely didn't they have have some good reason to grumble? You know, they'd been led out into the desert and there there wasn't the food they were used to. There wasn't the water just that they wanted there. And you, you might think, oh, but didn't they have good reason? God didn't say they had good reason. He wasn't impressed at their their grumbling. You remember, God led them out of Egypt when they had been oppressed and abused. They had cried out to God and he had sent Moses to lead them out of Pharaoh's grip. And God wasn't impressed when they grumbled against him and against Moses. And in Numbers chapter 14, God judges the Israelites for grumbling against him by decreeing that they will spend 40 years in the desert and not one of them that left Egypt as an adult would enter the promised land. That was God's judgment on them. Why? Because they grumbled. Think about it for a moment. This was a community that was used to seeing God at work. They had seen the supernatural power of God himself. They'd seen the Red Sea part for them. They'd had the pillar of fire and the cloud of glory to guide them. They had seen miraculous provision. And yet they still grumbled against the Lord. And friends, the truth is that he judged them for it. And not one that left Egypt as an adult got to enter the promised land because of their grumbling against the Lord. Now, I know we're not under Old Testament law anymore, but can you say that God likes grumbling any more now than he did then? Do we see that anywhere in Scripture? Do we see in the New Testament, it's okay to grumble now. 
Now that we have, you know, now that grace has come and that uh, Jesus has provided for us, is there, is there anywhere in Scripture that says, well, grumbling was bad then, but it's okay, you can grumble now. I don't see that. In fact, Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says this, Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. So, friends, we need to be careful not to grumble about one another, about God's church. His church is the bride of Christ. Let's make sure we don't grumble about the Lord himself and what he has for us. The Israelites tripped over on this one. Even though they'd seen the miraculous provision and almighty power of God. Let's make sure we don't fall over this one. Let's watch out for the little fox that's grumbling in the community of God's people. Okay, number two. Number two is quarrelling. And again, in the Israelites' community, there was quarrelling. And God wasn't impressed with that either. But what does the New Testament have to say about the subject? Well, in Corinthians, Paul says this. He says, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Paul's identifying something that he's seen in the Corinthian church. Jealousy and quarrelling. And so Paul had to address them on that issue. And again, the Corinthian church was a supernatural community of God. You, know, you, you read through the, the New Testament and, and you can see as Paul addresses them, this is a church that was used to seeing God at work. They'd seen lots of his power. But they are also those that were jealous and quarrels. The Corinthian church was a church that was full of the Holy Spirit and power. Yet the presence of God is no guarantee that these foxes are not present too. Let's not say, oh, but just because we have his presence means we won't have any foxes. <laughs> you know what? If we host well the presence of God, I want to suggest that our enemy is even more keen to send foxes into that vineyard and destroy what God's doing. We need to watch out for it. So there were things in the Corinthian church that Paul had to address. And we would do well to ensure that they're not present in our community as well. So we've had grumbling. We now have got quarrelling. And, and that can happen over any issue, honey. Uh, and normally it's the little things that get blown out of proportion. Don't you find that in any relationship? It's often little things that blow up into something. You think, what happened there? It was only a little thing. <laughs> and suddenly it's, it's a big thing and... Often it happens like that, and it happens like that in various relationships, and it happens like that, friends, in the church as well. But that doesn't mean that we should tolerate it. Let's watch out for this little fox and not allow him in either. Amen? Okay, so we've looked at grumbling and quarrelling. 
Our next one. Gossip and backbiting. Gossip and backbiting. Let's have some other verses of scripture. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28. A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Proverbs 20, verse 19. A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. Good advice there. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20. Paul says, For I am afraid when I come to you, I may not find you as I want you to be. And you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that, they may, that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. Whew, that's quite a list, isn't it? And Paul's giving them notice. He's saying, listen, I'm fearing that I'm going to find these things amongst you. It's like giving them notice, saying, look for these things and deal with them before I get there. See, gossip is oh, insidious. It's horrible, isn't it? it? It really is. But if we're true, if we're honest about things, if we're honest about our own hearts, the truth is that sometimes we can find gossip attractive. Oh, have you heard about so-and-so? Have you heard what they've done? Or in the church, we tend to couch it in spiritual language just for prayer. Have you heard about so-and-so and what they've done just for prayer and actually all it is is gossip with just for prayer added on the end so that somehow that makes it acceptable you see it's our fallen nature that makes us want to know things about others and by knowing something about somebody else we can sometimes unconsciously compare ourselves to them and think well but I'm better than them because I haven't done that. And so we gossip about somebody and what they've done and about the situation they may have found themselves in or something they've said maybe or whatever it might be. And as we're doing it, we're saying, well, I'm not like them. I've never done that. But as we gossip, it, it's horrible, isn't it? It's just not nice. And typically it's information that doesn't build them up. Very rarely is gossip along the lines of, hey, <laughs> Have you heard? They pray for their friend this week and saw them saved. Or it isn't. Have you heard? The wonderful thing they're doing in their community. How they're blessing their neighbours and whatever it might be. Generally it's not like that, is it? Even if there's some truth in what we're sharing, the way that it's shared and passed on is not honouring. Because surely what we should be doing if we know something about somebody is either just pray for them, bring them to the Lord and say, Lord, would you do what you need to do here? Or maybe you need to go to the individual and have a conversation about it. In the Jubilee membership course we say this. The devil wants to divide us. So he uses things like gossip. We go on and say this. We say, we will have no gossip or destructive criticism here in the body of Christ. If you hear any, confront it and don't pass it on. Or you may find that you are used yourself to spoil the body of Christ. We don't want to be found spoiling 
the body of Christ, do we? So let's make sure that we watch out for this little fox, gossip and backbiting. James chapter 4, verse 11 says this. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. And when you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. Gossip is speaking against one another. Remember, the church is Christ's body. We need to be careful to honour the body of Christ. So if you hear any, don't pass it on. Challenge it. Refuse to hear it. Deal with things in much more appropriate ways. And all of these things, grumbling and quarrelling and gossip, can lead to horrendous results. Far more worse than one little fox could do. But it seems it goes wider. But there's a few others. The next one is taking offence. Taking offence. Andy Robinson, when he was with us a few weeks ago, said this about offence. He said, offence is never given, it's always taken. That's a great phrase. Offence is never given, it's always taken. You choose to take offence. It's a choice. You, you choose to take it. Now, I'm very grateful for good friends who have come to me sometimes and when they've been uh, at risk of being offended by something that I've done or said, have spoken to me about it in order to clarify things and deal with it and clear the air and, and sort it out. Because the trouble is that taking offence takes a root in your heart. And then it isn't just the one conversation that you're offended about or the one situation, but it becomes the person themselves. And you know what? You've just given the devil a foothold. And then what? It spreads. It spreads. You know, it is easy to cause offence unintentionally. Somebody may misunderstand a decision that you've made, an action you've taken, or, or, or something you said. It's not always easy to go to that person and resolve it. It takes great courage and great maturity. But I want to encourage us to be courageous, mature followers of Christ. So that we can put this one to death. And make sure that we're not giving Satan an opportunity to cause upset or disunity in God's church. Offence is never given. It's always taken. So let's make sure we're not taking it and dealing with things well. You still with me? Should we keep going? There are a few more foxes. Pride. Proverbs 16 verse 18 says this. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. Psalm 10 verse 4. In his pride the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts there is no room for God. James 4 verse 6. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says... God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. I'm not sure any of us would want to find ourselves in a position where we are opposing God. To me, that sounds like a pretty scary place to be. Wouldn't you agree? You do not want to find yourself in a place where you are opposing God. That would not be 
a wise place to be. God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And in a culture where we are encouraged to achieve and to be pleased with our results, this one is very easy to trip over. Because doing well is not a bad thing. Doing things well is not a bad thing. Doing things excellently that honors, in a way that honours God is a good thing. But letting it go to your head and then it become pride is. Closely related to this one is arrogance. An arrogant spirit is unpleasant. It doesn't promote unity. An arrogant spirit is not open to the loving correction of a loving father. You know, we, we spent some time in our worship this morning talking about God being a good, good father. And he is. And we are sons and daughters of the living God. But listen, friends, those of you who are parents, I'm expecting that at some point in your parenthood, you have disciplined your children. I'm assuming at some point in your parenthood, you have disciplined your children because that's what you do as a loving parent. As a loving father or mother, you bring godly discipline to your child in order that they may live in the right way and uh, and appropriately. But an arrogant spirit, which leads on from pride, isn't open to that sort of loving correction because God brings that to us as well. Jesus talks about um, the, the gardener and the vine, didn't he? You know, and um, what's, the right, what's the right word? Not trimming, pruning. Pruning, thank you. How the gardener prunes the vine in order to get the best fruit, in order to get the best wine. <laughs> I wonder, has this little fox got into you? Pride and arrogance. Let's watch out for this one. I think there are a couple more, and then we'll bring it to some sort of conclusion. Next one is love of money. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The love of money is a little fox that can creep in barely noticed. He is so commonplace in the world around us, we barely notice he's even there. You see, it's not money itself that's evil. Money's neutral. It can be used for good or bad. Scripture says it's the love of money that is a root of all kinds of evil. And it's an easy fox to let into the garden. When the advertiser's job is to take away our self-worth and sell it back to us at the price of the product they're promoting, a love of money can become all-consuming as we somehow feel we need more and more of it to keep up with what we're told by advertisers that we need. But our trust, our hope, our identity 
should be in Christ. In who we are in him. Not in money and certainly not in the love of money. So we need to watch out for this one because it is all around us. Let's make sure we haven't opened our own heart up to this little fox. And the last one leads on from that, I guess. And it's a miserly spirit. I.e. not being generous. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. See, God calls us to be a generous people. And in a consumerist culture, this is very countercultural. It's similar to a love of money, but not exactly the same. Maybe these foxes are related together. Maybe they're, maybe they're cousins or something. I don't know. But let's seek to be generous in all that we do and all that we are. And that does apply to our finances, but not just our finances. It applies to the way we live our lives, to our general attitude and demeanour. A generous spirit not only gives generously, but also rejoices in others, rejoices in their provision, rejoices in their blessing, rejoices in what God has done in their lives, and doesn't sit back and go, oh, I wish it was me, but is thrilled that God is at work and blessing somebody else. Amen? Let's be a generous people, friends. Yes, in our giving, yes, in the way we approach our money, but more than that, in our hearts, in our attitude, in our demeanour, in the way we communicate, in the way we interact with others. A miserly spirit is a miserable spirit. And this is a horrible, miserable little fox. So what's the result of these little foxes being at work? The result is something like this. Division and disunity. See, that's not a little fox. This is a result of letting the little foxes run wild. And in the same way that foxes can eat up and destroy a vineyard, division and disunity can destroy a church. And seemingly insignificant little foxes can do major damage, particularly when what they sow leads to division and disunity. And the fallout can be huge. It's massive. People's relationships are torn apart. The church is ridiculed. God's name is not honoured. We need to be watchful and careful. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Paul says this, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, that you might be perfectly united in mind and thoughts. Unity in the church is a massive issue. How Behold, how good and pleasant it is, says the psalmist, when brothers dwell in unity. We need to preserve the unity we do have and work hard to keep it. A few weeks ago, John looked on a Sunday morning at what the Bible had to say about the church and then went on to refer to some of the recent prophetic words that we've had together. We need to realise that Satan doesn't want them to see them fulfilled. 
we have an enemy who has a whole pack of foxes he's looking to release. So we need to watch out for them. Because he wants to disrupt what God is doing. So what's the antidote here? Apart from shooting these foxes, which does not mean shooting one another, just to be clear. What's the antidote here? The antidote is this. Love one another. What did Jesus say? Love one another. A new command, Jesus said, I give you. John chapter 13. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you leaflet everywhere. Everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have great meetings and a good band. Didn't say any of those things. Jesus said, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Be devoted to one another, says Paul to the Romans. Honour one another above yourselves. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, says Ephesians 4. Verse 2. See, our second key value after loving God is loving one another. So let's work hard at it. Really hard at it. Let's seek to put it into action. Let's seek to love one another, honour one another, encourage one another. Doing that helps build fences against little foxes. It really does. It helps to stop getting them in, to stop them coming in, and helps us to deal quickly with them when they do. So let me recap the list as we close. Grumbling, quarrelling, gossip and backbiting, taking offence, pride, love of money and a miserly spirit. How's your heart? Have any foxes got in? Let's stand together. I want to pray and just have a few moments of quiet before the Lord and Just ask him what he'd have us do. Just as we examine our own hearts before him now, if you identify any of these things in your own heart, just bring them to the Father now. I feel God wants to do some fox hunting this morning. The Holy Spirit is a fox hunting spirit. (laughs) I can be quoted out of context. (laughs) But you know what I mean? The Holy Spirit wants to come and examine our hearts now before the Lord. Let's just allow him to do that. Lord God, would would you come and examine our hearts now? Lord, if we've let any of these little foxes in, Holy Spirit, would you come and show us now? Lord, if we're vulnerable to any of these little foxes getting in. If we've got a tendency towards any of these things, Holy Spirit, come and show us now. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.